Nine weeks ago, we began a series called Sick of It. And in that series, week number one, we basically said, we encouraged you to just kind of uh, face it in our lives. That yes, there are aspects of our life that lives that we are sick of. Um, we're just sick of circumstances sometimes, sick of people, sick of them, sick of, we're just sick of things. At times in our lives, and some of us, nine weeks ago, maybe we're right in the middle of something that we were sick of. But there's one common thing in all of those arenas of our lives. If we are sick of something in our lives, there's one thing that is common throughout all of those areas that we're sick of. And that common thing is us. We are right in the middle of everything that we are sick of. We're all up in the middle of all of our problems. In week number one of Sick of It, we basically said we need to admit that. That part of the problem is not all of them. Part of the problem really is all of me. I am part of the problem. Week number two of this series, Sick of It, we said that there is a connection between what you choose in life and the result that comes from that. What we choose and the result, they're connected. Whether that result is good or whether that result is bad, doesn't matter, it's connected. So here's what we said in week number two. If we choose something, that means at the very same time we're not just choosing to do this, we're also choosing the result that goes with it. If we're choosing this, we're choosing the path that it leads to. Choosing this, we're choosing the result. That's what we said, which means this, that if we are sick of where we are in life, the result, it means that's the path we've chosen. We are responsible for where we end up in life because the choice and the consequence, whether good or bad, they are all related. Choosing one means choosing the other. Here's what we said in week number three. We have a tendency to keep repeating behaviors over and over. And that means that we must like the result that we get from that behavior. So if we repeat this behavior over and over and over again, we get the same result time after time after time after time. It means we must want this result. We must like this result because we keep obviously repeating that same behavior over and over and over again. Now, we may not like the long-term result. We may not like the slow results like ruined relationships. That may not be what we like. We may not like the loss of a job because of decisions we've made. We may not like the fact that our health has gone way down because of choices we've made. But there's something, some kind of quick, cheap payoff that we get. Every time we do this, there's some kind of payoff, immediate payoff that we like. That's why we keep doing it, even though the long-term result is it ruins relationships or it ruins our health or we lose a job. So we taught you in week number three that if you can identify that quick very immediate payoff of this action. Here's the action, and there's a quick reward. If we can identify that quick reward, 
Because obviously we don't want the ruined health. We don't want the ruined relationship. So if we can identify that payoff, then we can control this behavior. If we can identify what is that quick payoff that keeps us doing something that is not good for us, not good for our future, not good for our relationships. If we can identify that quick, cheap payoff, then with God's help, we can begin to control our future, control our behavior. Here's what we said in week number four. You choose the behavior. Let's see, I already said that. I already said that. Let's go. Week number three, repeating the same behaviors. Ah, ah, okay. So if we choose the behavior, and that means we're choosing the consequence, then that means this on the positive side. This is what we said in week number four. So if we make a better choice, then we will have better results. Choosing better behavior, choosing better means better results. We don't have to simply remain sick of it. We can choose better. So here was the big truth for week number four. Life, as God has designed it, rewards action. It means if you just simply keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to get those same lousy, lousy, lousy results, and you're going to remain sick of it. So since life as God designed it rewards action, that means if you give a new action, there is a new reward attached to that. So we do have the power to change that future. We don't have to remain sick of it. We can do something differently. That was week number four. And then here was week number five. This was the last week of sick of it. If you treat... Your understanding or your interpretation of an event as true, even though it is really false, then you will never make a decision that is going to lead you in the right direction related to that. Let me give you an example. If you have a filter in your life that says this, nobody likes me, nobody likes me. To everyone around you, they know that that is simply not true. It is not true that nobody likes you. It's not true at all. But if you believe that it's true, even though it's false, if you believe that it's true, it is going to cause you to respond to people in a certain way. It's going to cause you to act in a certain way. And those responses and those actions are going to further push people away and distance you from people, which will in turn reinforce the false reality that, hey, nobody likes me. Does that make sense? In other words, if you treat something that is false as if it were true, it will still impact your life in a very negative way because it's not true it is not a truth that nobody likes you but if we treat it as it's true and we try to make a decision based upon that and listen if that were true then the decision you made might make perfect sense to everyone they would say yeah yeah i totally understand why he did that because 
nobody likes him. <laughs> I, I understand why he did that. But since it's not true, when you make that decision, you know what the people around you are saying? I have no idea why he, why he did that. I have no idea why he made that. It makes no sense for him to have made that decision. No sense at all. But he made it. I have no idea why. It makes your behavior not make sense to other people. When you treat something that is not true as if it were true. That's what we talked about in week number five. So if you start wrong... If you start wrong and then you try to do something right based upon what you're thinking here is wrong, it's still going to end up wrong. In your mind, it makes perfect sense. But to everybody around you, they can see the train wreck that's about to happen, but they don't understand why. They just can see it's about to happen. Now, those are the five weeks of sick of it. And those five weeks have now been followed by four weeks of a series called Baby Steps. So let's review these very quickly. Week number one of baby steps. We said this to you. You are the manager of your life. You're not the customer. You are not the consumer. That's what we like to think. But you are not the customer of life. You're not just here to experience life. And woo, what's next? You are the manager of your life, not the customer of your life. So as the manager of your life, it is your responsibility as the manager to do better, to manage better, to take better care of yourself. It is your responsibility. But most of us don't stop to take care of ourselves. You see, if I sacrifice taking care of myself, if I don't take care of myself, then I won't be there physically emotionally, maybe not even mentally, for the people who need me most, for the people in my life that need me. I won't be there. If I don't take care of myself, I won't be there. So to keep from cheating them, I must take care of myself. I must become healthy by managing my life better. That was week one. Here's what we said in week number two. If we don't handle our emotions properly, if we don't do the right thing with our emotions, God gave us these emotions, He gave them to us to help us experience and understand life. He did not give us our emotions to lead our lives. And if we don't handle our emotions properly, then they will begin to corrode our connection to God, and we will not be able to recharge or be refilled by God. So when people plug into our lives and, they, and, 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 and our lives are drained into theirs, if we are not recharging from God, we have nothing more to give them. They drain us and we find ourselves empty. If we don't handle our emotions properly, they corrode our connection to God and we don't get refilled. And once again, we end up cheating the people in our lives because we have nothing left to give them. We can fake it for a while. We can try to scrape up as much as we can to get through, but we end up cheating them and we're cheating ourselves. And here's what we talked about in week number three. This was last week. We said forgiveness sets you free from the person that has hurt you. 
And it also allows God, forgiveness allows God to remove the poisons of anger, the poisons of resentment, the poisons of bitterness out of our heart so that we don't poison the other people that we are in a relationship with. That's what forgiveness does. And today, after week number four, that will make a total, for the past two series, a total of nine weeks. Nine weeks of our lives. I just summarized the teaching of nine weeks. And it all comes down to this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what we have learned the past nine weeks? And this question, what are you going to do now? You know, we've been spending a lot of time in the book of Proverbs over the past nine weeks. Clearly, we understand that if we associate over large amounts of time with unwise people, people who are not living God's wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs, people who are not bringing God's wisdom, things like we find in the book of Proverbs, into their lives, if we are associating with people who are not bringing that wisdom into their lives and who are not living that wisdom, then we are going to find ourselves in real trouble. Here's a life law for us. Who you are with most of the time, who you are with most creates who you will become. Who you are with the most will create who you will become. The person in your life that has most of your time, guess what? They get to steer your life. The person in your life that gets most of your time, that means they have their hand, it's just a law of life, they have their hand on your life steering wheel. And maybe there's many people that you spend a lot of time with, each one has a hand on your life steering wheel. The person that has most of your time gets to steer your life. And if that person who has their hand on your life steering wheel, if that person is not devouring God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs, if they are not in turn living that wisdom in their own life, then you, my friend, are in real trouble. The people closest to your will, most often, they're the, one who, the ones who get their hands on it. You understand what I'm saying? Those people that are closest to you get their hands on the wheel of your life. Listen to how Proverbs puts this in Proverbs chapter 30, part of verse 20 here. It says, associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, as a student minister, I was a student minister for 17 years before I became a church starter. 17 years of student ministry. I had a lot of students come through my student ministry in that amount of time. And I was able to watch those students. 
And I could watch them from a distance from the time they came into the student ministry, which for me was in the seventh grade, when they came in at the seventh grade and they left as a 12th grader. As those students came in, I could predict with great accuracy what their lives were going to be like in junior high and in high school. The type of decisions they were going to make. Uh, what was going to be happening, what, whether they were going to be moving towards a position of health or unhealth in their relationships, in their life, with God, with everybody. I, I could predict that, not because I was so smart. All I had to do, one thing, simple one thing, I just simply watched who they spent the most time with. Because the reality is this, it's a life law for us all. Whoever is close to you has their hand on your will your steering will for your life, their hand is on. I only had to watch who they were hanging out with. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I couldn't tell you the details, but I knew what types of things were going to be happening in that student's school year or in their summer, in their future. And guess what? It doesn't just work with teenagers. It worked with their parents too. It worked with their parents. And guess what? It worked with there are other siblings. It worked for young adults. It works for us all. It works for us all. The people closest to you have their hand on the wheel of your life. And if those people are not devouring the wisdom of God, then the wisdom writer tells us we are in real trouble. So it all comes down to this. What are we going to do about the last nine weeks? And what are we going to do right now? I know one thing that most of us are going to do. Most of us are going to go to work on Tuesday. Most of us are going to go to work on Tuesday if you're fortunate enough to be off on Monday. Now for you students, most of you are already finished with school for the summer. So you, as a student, are either going to be at home, or you're going to be with friends, or maybe another relative, or you may be a vacation. And if you have a summer job, you'll be at work too. So for most of us, we're going to be working, or we're going to be with friends, or hanging out. But both students and adults, we share something here. If you have not followed, not followed, God's wise baby steps for your life, the wise steps that we find in the book of Proverbs, if you have not followed those small, wise steps, then what's going to happen Tuesday at work or tomorrow when you're with friends? What is going to happen if you have a major decision that has to be made in your life? If you have not followed the small, tiny, daily, wise steps when it comes to making then the big decisions, we are going to blow it almost every single time. Let me give you an example. If you have not followed God's wisdom in who to date, if you're single... If you have not followed God's wisdom in what kind of person to date, who to date, 
then how are you when it comes time for you to marry, and I would say the person that God would want you to marry, how in the world are you going to find that person that God wants you to marry if you have not been making the small steps of dating the right type of person that God wants you to date? How in the world, if you've been dating this person and making your own decisions apart from God's wisdom and the person God wants you to marry is way over here, how are you going to get to here if you're way over here? Does that make sense? If you have not followed God's wisdom with your money, the small steps day by day by day, The small steps, every time you get paid, the small steps, God's wisdom, week after week after week, when you get paid, then how in the world are you going to make the right decision with something big like buying a house? Or something big like changing jobs and relocating. How will you make that decision right if you haven't made all the small decisions leading up to that wise decisions of following God? If you have not followed God's wisdom with sexual integrity, how are you going to follow God's wisdom with the big thing of being healthy inside of a relationship with the person you're married to? You see, all of these little bitty tiny steps lead up to the big steps. And if we're going to get the big steps right, we have to get the little bitty steps leading up to it right. Otherwise, we find ourselves in real trouble. You see, in your life, where you step next is directly related to where you stepped last. Let me say that again. Where you step next is directly related to where you stepped last. So if you got your last step wrong, there's a really good chance in your life that you're going to get your next step wrong. Let me see if I can make this make some more sense. They're going to help me out with some light here so you can see. So, I'm going to have to watch my watch here. I've got some steps highlighted here. You can see them on the screen. We're going to call these God's wise steps here. This is God's wise. And these are small steps, all right? That's a small little step. And each one is a small step going in God's wise direction, a next small wise step. And let's say we're headed, though, over here to this. Let's call this a big step. This one is huge. It's still the same size, but I made it a different color for everyone who's not colorblind. (laughs) Big step right here. In order for me to get to this step, on God's path of wisdom, it's going to require that I have stepped here and I've made this decision with God's wisdom and I've made this one with God's wisdom. But let's wait just a moment. Let's say, let, let, let's take, it just seems to be a very simple example for me to, to use. Let's, let's take the whole dating thing. Let's say that I am on track with God. Let's say you're a single person. Let's pretend I'm I'm single person. I'm on track with God, and I'm like, yeah, God. I want, and so I'm stepping with Him in His wisdom, 
in his wisdom with who I'm going to date, how I'm going to date, all, all of those things. And, and I'm just stepping with God. But then something happens and like somebody catches your eye. I don't know how, I don't know why. But the decision to pursue that person, just maybe with a, a, a text, an email, something, a Facebook, um, tender, uh, whatever, whatever, you, you just, you take a step to pursue them and you know it, this may not be the best step. It may not be the best way to do it, but it's not going to hurt anything. And you step off to the side. You, you've left God. Now it's not so dangerous because look, God's step is right there. If I want to get back on his wisdom, it's a very short step to his wisdom. Very short step. I've just made one. I just made a contact sent an email, sent a text, something. Made a contact with a person that I know probably, I know nothing about the person except what I've seen maybe on whatever, 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 or what I've heard from a friend. Small step. But let's just say you pursue that and you take another step away. You go out on a date and, I, and you find out this person, you know, they like God, they talk about God maybe, but maybe they never go to church. They are not active in a church. They know some of the language, the churchy language. And maybe they even want to date a Christian. And, and you're active in church. They want to date, maybe they want to date you because you fit that for them. But maybe they are not active. Maybe they're not plugged in and you take another set. Maybe you just take another set. So you start dating them. You're like, well, they know the language. Maybe they'll come with me. Maybe they'll come to church with me. You take another step. And before long, you've been dating three months, then six months, and a year. And you've taken steps away. Now, here's, here's another truth, I think, that we can find that's, that's throughout Scripture. And that is, when we want to do things differently, we don't get to go backwards. You cannot go backwards and undo what you have done. You can make a new direction Without a doubt, you can go in a new direction, but you cannot go backwards and change something. You can only go forward, go in a new direction. Coming down off this step is impossible. I took the step for life. Now, I know for the ladder, sure, I can come down. I'm not going to fall off here. But in life, you don't get to go backwards and change it. You just keep taking set. And you realize. So here, here's my, my point in this. If that block right there, the, the cement colored one, if that is the point at which I am going to decide who I'm going to marry, and that is God's wise step, and it is right there that God has selected for me the person that he wants me to spend the rest of my life with, if that is right there and I'm over here, how do I get there? How can I expect that I will make that decision correctly according to God's plan and God's will and his direction? How in the world can I make that decision if I'm over here? Students, Let's pretend this is you in choosing college. Let's pretend this is you in choosing your next job or a career. This could be you in any decision. Whatever the big decision is, 
That's on God's path, God's plan. It's right there. But if we have not been following the little tiny steps of wisdom all the way up to that, then we find ourselves somewhere else up here hanging off. How do we get there? Two ways. Well, uh, maybe just one way. There comes a point that there is no easy way to get there if I find myself way over here. Because I can't, just for the life law, I can't go back down and redo that step. I'm already here. For me to get to here, to there, guess what it's going to require for most of us? Once we've gone so far off God's path, it will require for me to get there, it's going to require a lot of pain. Because I am going to fall. I can't take this step. I'm going to fall. It's going to require some kind of big life event that unsettles my entire world. And it's going to hurt. And things will get broken. People will get broken. I will get broken. But that's what it will require for me to get to there. Most of us just kind of hang out here and say well it wasn't the right decision I'll just make it right I'll just I'll, I'll just live here it'll, it'll be okay for me to get to there if I'm if I'm going to make it back to God's plan it's going to take some kind of pain something I'm not going to get to step down the ladder something's going to have to happen in my life that causes me to fall hard so that I can step back onto his plan of wisdom. Do we really want to take it that far? Where it's going to take something major to break our lives in order for us to get back on this path. Because the only way for me to get from there to here is for me to get off of here. Now if I fall from here. Not near as bad. But with each step. I get away from God's plan. It's not me just simply. Oh well I'm going to make a decision in church. And just step down here. And step back here. Didn't work that way. From up here. There is the destruction of relationship. There's the destruction of family, the destruction of you. But if we can catch ourselves making an unwise decision right here, we're able to step back on. Every step we take is related to the last step we took. I hope that makes sense. Let me just tell you what. The Bible has to say. Proverbs chapter 11. Where no wise guidance is, the people fall. 
where there is no wise guidance to help me stay on the wise path, the people fall. No guidance, no sure step, no good foundation under my feet, no good place to step. There will be a sure fall. So it all comes down to this. What are you going to do about the last nine weeks? What are you going to do now? So often, if you're anything like me, here's what we do. We make a plan and we work it. We think to ourselves, what should I do next? And we say, well, this is what I think I need to do. I think I should do this. And we do it. Here are some questions for you, if you're like me in that. Why exactly do that? That which you just decided to do. Why do that? Why why that? Why do you think that is a good idea? Based upon what makes that a good idea? So often our answer is that's what we think. But, but why? Why that? Why that specific step? Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Plans go wrong for a lack of advice. And you say, but Harley, that, that is what my heart is telling me to do. So that's why I'm going to do that. And I'm going to say to you, that's not good enough. Or you say, well, Harley, that's what I think I should do. No, no, not good enough. Harley, that's what I want to do. Not good enough. That's what I feel like doing. Still, not good enough. Harley, okay, okay, that's what I think is best. Okay, okay. But it's still not good enough. You see, in life, you can choose anyone, anyone you like. You have your own set of binoculars for your life. And so you were looking at your life through the binoculars. Every step that you have to take, you're looking at your life through the binoculars. Every step, everything you have to do, you are looking through your life through your own set of binoculars. And you don't have a choice. You are doing that right now. Have you ever tried to walk with binoculars, looking through binoculars? It's weird, isn't it? You look silly. Well, you might look silly anyway if you're like me. But when you're walking with binoculars, you're trying to look and take steps with your binoculars. You've you got your hand out still and you're, you're looking. It does not work very well. That's how you're looking at your life. You're used to it, though. That is normal for you. It's normal. It's normal. That's the way we live our life. and we are. So this is normal to us. Not being quite certain, not being quite sure, that is normal for us. That's why I tell you, making all the decisions for your life based upon what you think they should be, this is what you're looking at. You are looking at your life Zoomed in. You are zoomed in to that problem. You are zoomed in to that circumstance. You are zoomed in to that person, that situation. That's how you are looking at it. You have no other choice 
That's, the, that's how you look at it. That's how I look at it. And so for you to make a decision based upon what you are seeing in this limited field of view, for you to make that decision, it might seem very right for you. But you can't see the whole context. You can't see all the stuff out here. That step may, be look, may look right. But what we don't see maybe is what's coming. We have no choice but to make decisions for our life based upon what we see. But we have to understand that we can't see in our own lives what the people closest to us can see. Their field of view for our lives are much more broad. Much bigger. And you, looking at someone else's life, guess what? You have the same ability. You can see much more around them and the context of what's going on than they can see in their own life. Why? Because this is all they can see in their life. It's all they can see. That's the reality. That's all we have. We have what we have. That's what we have. So if I make all the decisions in my life based upon what my heart's telling me, which, by the way, the Bible says is a horrible idea. If I make the decisions for my life based upon what I think, for me, what I think is best, what I, the way I think it should be, I have a problem. Plans, the wisdom writer says, go wrong for lack of advice. Why? Because we can only see this. We need help seeing this. The best plans for the very best reasons still go very wrong because of a lack of advice. Now God, in His great wisdom... And mercy and grace. God has a solution. For all of these dilemmas we've just talked about. The dilemma of us making a decision. Even though our field of view is limited. God has a solution for that. A solution for us being able to. Take the next wise step toward a big decision. Even though we might find ourselves taking a small step away from God's wise path. God has a solution for that before we ever get way up there. God has a solution. For all of these dilemmas. For us getting into trouble because we have the wrong people who have their hands on the steering wheel of our lives. God has a solution for that. God has a solution for all of these dilemmas and it involves, His solution involves other people outside of your life. And because other people are a part of God's plan for your life, that is just one of the many reasons why we ask you, we nearly beg you to be part 
of a small group every single semester. Semester after semester after semester. Not just once, not where you just say, yeah, I did a small group thing. I was part of a group. No, every single semester. Because it will put you into contact with people who are themselves also trying to get onto God's wise path. They're trying to get on the journey toward more and more and more God's wisdom in their own lives. So here's God's solution. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. The people who get the most of your time get to steer your life the most. And the wisdom writer says, so because of that, walk with the wise. Let their hand, let the wise person be the one you spend the most time with. Let their hand be on the steering wheel with yours of your life. Walk with the wise and become wise. But associate with fools and get into trouble. God's wise solution for your life, for wise living, involves other people. So for us to listen to God's wisdom sometimes takes the help of other people who are on this journey with us. To follow the wise path. For me to get onto this stone, this step, this wise step may require some help. I might be able to do that. But I am more likely to do that and to take the next wise step if I have someone in my life who is encouraging me to take the next wise step. And guess what? They may be on the journey as well. And if I step off of God's wise path and I begin to head this way... That person is able to say, wait, 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 Harley, wait, wait, wait. Are you sure that's where you want to step? Because it seems to me the wise step might be over here, not this way. Is it really wise? Is it really wise to get involved with that person? Is it really wise to pursue that? Is it really wise? And they can help me get back to here. It's part of God's plan. It's God's wisdom. It's what he's arranged, what he's designed. Because after all, what we said just a moment ago, where no wise guidance is, people fall. And that verse goes on to say this, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Those wise people in your life, people who are on that path of wisdom, those people who are traveling that path of wisdom along with you, guess what? They can help keep you safe. That's what the wisdom writer says. Now, we can help you find a multitude of wise counselors. A small group is where you can begin to find them. Now, let's be honest. Not everybody in a small group is wise. But you are more likely to find someone on that wise path quicker than you are somewhere else. 
God's wise solution for your living involves other people. It's not just you. It's not just, well, this is what I think is best. And from what I can see, this is what I need to do next. From what I can understand and evaluate, this is the next step for me. It's not enough. It's not enough to say this is what my heart is telling me to do. The Bible says, whoa, bad idea. That's dangerous. It's not enough for me to say, well, these are, these are the reasons, or this is my reasoning for doing it. These are my thoughts. This is why I think I should do that. It's not about just what you want to do. God says this, Proverbs fifteen twenty two: Plans go wrong for a lack of advice. But many advisors bring success. Many wise advisors in your life will help you toward success. Will help you toward the next wise step. You are not called to follow Jesus in isolation. You are called. You will not find that anywhere in the New Testament. You were called to a community of believers, a family of believers, all following Jesus together. Where have you ever seen in the New Testament someone called out and then isolated and left to live alone and follow Jesus alone? You just don't see it. It's always a community of believers. And my friends... We want to be that community for you. You need us. And at the very same time, because I have binoculars for my life too, at the very same time, I need you. We need each other. God's wise solution for wise living always involves other people. You are part of God's other people. In our lives. And we are part of God's other people in your life. And it all comes down to this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do now? Because God's wise solution for wise living involves other people. And we have just, after today, spent nine weeks of our lives. And it all comes down to this. What Are you going to do now? Because if God's wise solution for you, for wise living, involves other people, what are you going to do now? Maybe you say, well, Harley, summer just started. I have plans. So I'm going to get back to this in the fall. You're right, Harley. I'm on board with you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something this fall. Right now, I've got the summer. I, I, we've got plans. So I'll start this fall. The truth is this. Steady, consistent progress through wise steps produces results. And it is inside of one of those relationships, those wise relationships where you can potentially find some real accountability for your actions or perhaps for your inaction 
So that if you do something that is the, the unwise thing, or if you don't do something that you needed to do, it will cost you something to make a bad decision. Accountability can help you with that. And you can find someone in one of your groups over the course of time that you can trust with the details of your life and they can help you. So here's my challenge to you this morning as we wrap this up. My challenge is this. Yes, you probably are going to be very busy this summer. You are. But don't take a break from God's wisdom this summer. I'm going to ask you to do three things with us over the course of about the 10 weeks we have for summer. Don't take a break this summer. Let's spend Sundays together. That's the first thing. Let's spend Sundays together. You know, a lot of people kind of choose what they're going to do on Sunday based upon what they feel on Saturday night or on Friday. And they maybe think, well, you know, if I don't have anything else to do, maybe we should go to church tomorrow. Maybe we should go to church. We don't have anything else to do. And I'm going to say to you this. Make gathering together with us on Sundays a priority. Make that decision already made. In other words, if you are in town, then that decision's already made. Your alarm is already set. You just leave it there. Your Sunday alarm wakes you up in time to get here on Sunday morning. If you're in town, you're here with us on Sundays. Make that a priority. Sundays together. Don't take a break this summer. Here's the second thing. Don't take a break this summer from serving together. Some people choose to serve based upon how bad they've been. (laughs) In other words, if they feel like they need to get a few boxes checked because I've dug a few holes over here spiritually, made some bad decisions, so I need to make some good ones to make up for it and balance the scales, then maybe I'll do something for the church. I'll serve the church somehow. Or maybe we say, I really need God to do something for me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go serve the church. I'm going to do something so that God will do something for me. If I do something for him, he might do something for me. I'm just going to say this. Don't take a break from serving. Let's not make it the box to check or how we get into God's good favor. Let's serve together because it's just one of those wise things to do in relationship. We come together and we serve. Let's not take a break from serving. Here's the third thing, and we end with this. Let's do small groups together. Let's do small groups together. I'm going to encourage you, if you have not already, to sign up today to be a part of a small group. Sometimes people will say, okay, I'll give small group a try because my life is falling apart and I have nowhere else to turn. So I might as well do that. I've heard Harley talk about it. And you wait until your life is almost in ruins, until you were just kind of hanging on for all you have. Your life is caving in. And so you're like on the end of your rope. And so you're just tying a knot in it. And that knot is called small groups and you just kind of hang on. That's how long you've waited to get involved in a group. And it makes it very, very difficult for your life to progress when you are fighting for your life. It makes you very, very, very difficult for you to get and give what needs to happen inside of a small group when you are hanging on for your dear life. Now, here's my point, though. Let me say this first. If you have not signed up for a small group and your life is caving in, please sign up for a small group. 
But if your life is not yet caving in, now is the time to get in that group. Because long before you get to the point where you're tying a knot into the end of your rope, and that's the end, you have nothing left to hang on to, you need to be in a small group way up here so that you never get to this point where that is your last hope. And if this doesn't happen, if God doesn't do this or show up in this way, then my life is over. Part of the beauty of a small group is they are with you through all of the hurts and all of the pains, through the tough things, the happy things, the good things, the sad. You're not alone. So if your life is not falling apart, now is the time to sign up for a small group. Let's do groups together. It all comes down to this. What are you going to do now? If God's wise solution for your wise living involves other people, what are you going to do now? I beg you, don't try to follow Christ on your own. I can tell you this, it is not God's plan. It's not. You just, you just don't see it in Scripture. It's not God's plan. This summer, let's do Sundays together. Let's serve together. Let's do small groups together. Steady progress through wise steps produces results. A small group can help you. Create some accountability for your action and your inaction so that it will cost you something if you take the unwise step. I believe over the course of time you can find someone in one of your small groups that you can trust with the details of your life. Let's pray. Father, may your wisdom ring into our ears this week. May we think deeply about it. May we have many conversations, God, with you about these words, your words, where no wise guidance is the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many counselors bring success. Where no wise guidance is, we fall. But God, we want safety. We want your safety, and we can find that in the presence of many counselors. Jesus, may we not be among the unwise, living life alone. May we follow your wise steps. May we do Sundays together serve together and experience life together through small groups. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard, Jesus, and we ask, would you give us the courage to do it? In your name we ask these things. Amen.